Hi, and welcome to the Women in Jazz Media podcast, In Conversation With. I'm your host, Asheni White, and today I'm here with the lovely... Celine Peterson. Yay! Awesome. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. As, as um, I, I'm, I'm an artist myself, and I'm really interested in artist management and business and that side of music business. I find it just fascinating. So it's really cool to have somebody who is as esteemed as you in your position on the podcast to discuss everything about you and how you've gotten to where you are today. So I'm really excited to have this conversation. Let's start with you just just telling us about yourself how have you got from being little to being where you are now what inspires you um in your work well I think the easiest answer is that is to say that I grew up I grew up in in the music industry specifically Mm -hmm. in in the jazz music industry my father was a piano player and so I grew up traveling with him for the first 16 years of my life and Yes. And I think there's, I mean, there's no better education in music than mm-hmm. that. And especially music at that, at such a high level with the people he was playing with and the people that I grew up spending time with. It's, I mean, it's an absolute dream. I'm, you know, I, I, I wish that I could have taken more in when I was young, you know, now as I'm older, I'm thinking, oh, I was in that situation. I wish I had known to ask this or do mm-hmm. this or try yeah. this. Uh, so I think that my ending up working in this industry was somewhat inevitable, although mm-hmm. it was not expected of me. Mm-hmm. I, you know, there was never, there were never any, never any conversations at home about what my, either of my parents expected of me in terms of my eventual career. All they wanted was for me to do whatever brought me joy and made me happy. And it just so happens that as things have transpired, that Mm -hmm. working in this industry has done that. It has brought me joy and it has made me happy. It's what fulfills me. So I started out in social media before that was even a job. We're talking 11, 11-ish years ago. And, uh, you know, it, it was certainly not what it was now. And I was very lucky because I got to learn about it as it was happening. So Mm -hmm. I, I became very well versed in it, not to <laughs> toot my own horn, but, no, but because it, there were no guidelines, right? Now there's all these guidelines of mm-hmm. what your social media goals should be specifically as an artist or a presenter or whatever it might be. And there was none of that back then. It was, we were all just experimenting and figuring mm-hmm. out what worked. So I started there and then I started delving into actually representing artists as well as getting more involved in artist advocacy myself and Mm -hmm. everything kind of transpired from there. So I don't, I definitely don't do just one thing. I think that, you know, as, as with every aspect of music Mm -hmm. and entertainment, you're not just an artist. You are also your agent and your manager and (laughs) whatever it might be. So I'm not just a rep. I'm still someone's social media manager, producer, manager, agent, mm-hmm. any of that. So that's the long-winded answer to that. Awesome. <laughs> There's a couple statement. of things that I find really cool. Obviously, obviously, I know your father had an, um, uh, probably had a humongous impact on you. And as much as your father is an incredible musician and I bet had a massive impact on your life, I really want to speak about 
specifically you if that makes sense um yes and I I, because I know you probably do so many interviews with people who are like okay well we've got you on but tell us about your dad and I can imagine that (laughs) I can imagine that becomes a bit um jarring when you've been working in the industry for however long you have and you've achieved what you've achieved um so I'm gonna I'm gonna move on from that point social media is really interesting because I pe- I think people forget that social media is a form of media now and it's really where people get a lot of their news and it's really where people get a lot of their knowledge on new things and you know explore things nowadays so it's really interesting to know that you kind of got your start through social media is there anything that you did specifically when you were working in social media that allowed you to kind of transition to more you know um like more traditional forms of media or do you still work in social media? Do you think? I do still work in social media, especially throughout this past year. I've Mm -hmm. picked up some, uh, some social media work to alleviate some of the stress and pressures that come with the pandemic. But there's even in, you know, quote unquote, normal times, there's definitely an element of social media in my work still because Mm -hmm. it falls under that umbrella of being an artist representative. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I touched on it briefly, but previously you, you know, a manager would be a manager and an agent would be an agent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a social media manager would be a social media manager. Now they are really all are, especially if you're not in the 1% of mm-hmm. artists, mm-hmm. they all are the same thing. So, I think that transitioning from social media to more traditional media was in a, and and the elements of that that are are in my job was somewhat inevitable because mm-hmm. as I was making the decision to expand what I did that of course had to include elements of traditional media. Yeah. Um and it's you know it's very interesting to see <laughs> to see the ways in which people in our industry use social media versus how it's used in a mainstream context. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, cause some, what works for some people and certain industries definitely doesn't work in others. Mm-hmm. And this is also something that's constantly developing. So I think that's, you know, it's, it's interesting and, and somewhat time consuming to be trying to keep up with everything mm-hmm. in that sense. Right. Yeah. So, and I mean, and, and, you know, because, because of what you do, you're an artist, it's mm-hmm. that self-promotion is very time consuming really and cha- how you have to do it changes almost, it, it can change daily. So mm-hmm. it's such a big part of the job now. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. I think, especially being an artist that doesn't make kind of mainstream music and not being in that 1% of artists who, you know, are pushed by these huge machines and things like that when you're doing things quite independently, which in, in a, in a good way, like platforms like Spotify and Instagram and TikTok and all of these new things that are coming out are giving artists the opportunity to do things independently. You don't have to, you know, be in the 1% or die in this industry you can kind of do something but then right. like you said you you do have to really work for this stuff for yourself like you are your own manager you are your own radio plugger you are your own you know everything PA stylist and it's it gets sometimes I find it gets 
stressful when you know you want to make music and all you want to do is make music and put music out and you've got to focus on the kind of business artist management side of things as well I find it pretty stressful um but yeah I think it's 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 just so cool to to kind of learn how you kind of started in social media when people weren't really using social media for music you know promotion and management and things like that and it's it's kind of weird for me to I'm only 23 so it's weird for me I remember Instagram being this big new thing back in I don't know 2012 Mm -hmm. and yep you know people were just posting pictures of their coffees like that's literally what it was so for you to be one of those you know spearheading people to be like do you know what we can use this for something we can use it for marketing we could use it for you know all of these things that we can help push people who are trying to you know do something new and creative um is really cool to hear I have a question so obviously women in jazz media we're all talking about opening the space for women in the traditional kind of forms of media do you did you find there was a, a kind of a difference between the amount of diversity you saw when you were kind of working in social media and it being a new thing and you going to the more traditional sides of things even with your kind of artist representation role and things like that do you find there's a lack of diversity of color and in gender um when you're working Absolutely. I do. I, you know, it's interesting. And I, I always preface any version of this conversation that I have with saying that I recognize in certain way in the industry, mm-hmm. how I come from a place of privilege mm-hmm. because of my background, purely because of my last name. And I, and that's something that I, I'm very, I'm very proud of it, but I also, it's very important to me that I recognize it in my work because that is what will hopefully, (laughs) I probably can't answer this part of it, but I hope that is what allows me to work as a positive representative for another artist who might not have certain, you know, privileges that I, that I did. And that is again, purely from a family background perspective, but in terms of race and gender, it's incredibly uneven. It, mm-hmm. it absolutely, in every aspect of the industry. And I, the other thing that I want to throw in there is age mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm young, you're young, therefore we are not t- taken as seriously by older, right? Older white men in particular and older white women. And then of course there are going to, there's always, you know, we can leave room for the fact that just anybody who is older can of course also not take us as seriously, Mm -hmm. but especially people who have not been judged for their gender for Mm -hmm. their, you know, they've had an advantage because of their gender. They've had an advantage because of their race. And they think that they, it's kind of the respect your elders mentality, but taken to an extreme level. And that is, I think something that I have, I noticed more in my work, especially over, I'd say the last five years Mm -hmm. when I've been doing, I've been tapping into some things that are of a higher higher caliber than I was doing previously. Yeah. The age thing, I can't I can't wrap my head around it. Mm-hmm. I really can't wrap my head around it. And it's it's infuriating. 
mind-boggling mm-hmm. for you yeah, to be so like esteemed in where you are I can imagine I, and I, I get it quite a lot because I'm quite a, an assertive personality and I kind of have been raised by a very strong black woman who's kind of taught me to be confident so in a lot of spaces I'm with a lot of older people and older white males who see me as a bit like are you can you speak about this can you speak on this do you know do you understand and it, it, it I feel it definitely comes age is a really really big thing in that like especially when people have really experienced and and even struggled to study and to understand and for you to have had the experiences that you have growing up you probably know more than these men will ever know in their entire life so just for that thing that you are younger and you are black and you are a woman is like no 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 you're not supposed to know anything here you're not supposed to be representing artists that are winning Juno after Juno that is not that's our job kind of thing but yeah I I think it just comes from insecurity doesn't it and the fact that it definitely does Mm. it definitely does I was you know recently I was working uh on a project and I got asked to pass along contact information for Mm -hmm. another artist here and the person asking for it a, a producer said, I already tried to reach out to the person they listed as the representative, but I, I haven't heard back, you know, within less than 24 hours. And mm-hmm. so I think, it, and it would just be easier to speak to them directly. And I can't tell you how many times that happens to me, uh-huh. that people try to go around me to get directly to somebody because they want to cut out the middle person, which mm-hmm. in this case is an for the next few months under 30 <laughs> woman of color yeah. who, you know, that, like, it's, and it's just so disrespectful. So my response was that I would send their representative a note and mm-hmm. ensure that they knew this email was coming through because it might've gone to junk fine, mm-hmm. but I will not pass along direct contact info for multiple reasons. This, mm-hmm. an artist has set out boundaries and those boundaries have to be respected by every single person that wants to reach that person. The professional mm-hmm. boundaries are not to be breached. And to touch on an earlier point you made about it's so hard to switch into the business and the marketing of it as an artist. Mm-hmm. My goal is that the artists I work with, I don't want them to have to focus on anything other than the music. Mm-hmm. So my rule is always, you don't have to answer anybody except me. Yeah, And I will try to give you as much information as I can in one go so it's not repetitive Mm -hmm. and own you know and reach out in as few emails or texts or whatever it is as possible so that you can and only give you the information you need to know so that you can focus on the music and I can handle everything else Mm -hmm. and you know that I think that's very important it's 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 a very important thing that again not a lot of people have access to and so we need more people to who are interested in this to be able to do it but mm-hmm. it's it's definitely made more difficult being being a a, a young woman of color there's just yeah. everything going <laughs> against us in that yeah. in that it's, sense it's very it's it is so like that. I had a conversation um with Angelica Bina for the last um episode and it was just incredible hearing all of the things that she kind of had to go through in this like male white dominated space and like from from like 20 years ago and being like to be honest you think that us young women now coming up we're like look 
we've made our we've made our name here a little bit more but really it's the same thing just in different you know in different a different shirt you know or in, yes. in a different um sphere and it's it's something that at women in jazz media and I know that you are a, a an official supporter of women in jazz media um that it is for us to really really just speak up upon and not even to for us to have to change it because it's not our issue to change it's just our issue to push as many people into the forefront as possible and really understand and show their their successes in front of that's right people who need to realize that the world's moving on now come on catch up you know yes Um, well I will say you know there's there's to give credit where credit is absolutely due mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to have some incredibly strong women in my corner Mm -hmm. and and you know in the industry in various capacities and that is a big part of what formed me and what has continued to give me strength. And I mean, the thing that I have that I think a lot of people have tried to are one step away from beating out of me my whole life is that when I get, when I decide that I am finished with being disrespected, mm-hmm. I can cross the line into disrespect. And I'm still, yeah. you know, I, I, we're, we're humans are evolving. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm working very hard on making sure that I don't ever cross any lines. Yeah. But I, there are a number of women coming up, you know, Audrey Morris, who was a, a close family friend of my dad's. And so she grew up, when I grew up, she was my auntie Audrey and mm-hmm. she was an exceptional vocalist. And she was a woman who was just a force of nature. Mm-hmm. And she taught me so much throughout my life that I will carry with me for the remainder of my life. Mm-hmm. Holly Nimmons, another uh, arts industry professional here. She has taught me a lot over the years. I've, I've known her since I was a little girl and she's a true feminist in her heart and soul. And I've learned so much from her, Molly Johnson, another woman that I work very closely with now who has just been, you know, breaking doors down and, mm-hmm. you know, really making sure that she was not going to stand for less. She's, you know, she's gotten the short end of the music industry stick in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Yeah. But she has used her voice for such for such positive in the name of positive change. And and so it's women like that that have, you know, really helped me along along the way and that give me the confidence still to continue to try to whatever kind of fight this is that I'm (laughs) that I'm in, that you're in, that we're all in to continue to do it because it's it's so important. Yeah. And it's enough and things aren't changing. Mm-hmm. And it's so it's it's nice to see that things are changing, you know. And it's yeah. nice to see and celebrate women when they're doing the the most amazing things. Um, yes. So I completely agree. I think a role model and representation is literally the key to anything. And even me, I feel like I come from a a, a kind of place of privilege where I've seen so many amazing women in my life now and when I was growing up do amazing things that was just like even if it was you know working so hard just to feed the kids that my mom had you know and take care of Mm -hmm. everyone that's that's so inspiring to me that like shows me that I I can take care of people you know and all these women in the industry that are doing crazy things like you're representing artists that have won multiple awards and are doing incredible things in a way that's so kind and for the artist to really understand that your job here is to make the music and be happy my job is to take the you know 
all the stuff that I'm supposed to be good at. That's so inspiring for any up and coming, you know, artists and artist managers and artist representatives to know this is how things are done, you know? And yeah, I think it's so, so, so important. Okay, so I did kind of have a little conversation um, with Fiona, our founder and CEO of Women in Jazz Media um, before. And she mentioned that you kind of have, and you're really passionate about pushing artists being paid the right amount for their work and for their services. (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I, this has always been a thing, a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is from, again, seeing recognizing that I've seen the privilege I've Mm -hmm. seen the one I've seen what happens when you're at the top and I've also seen what happens when you're at the top that should happen no matter which level you're at yeah and that a lot of that has to do with being compensated and I take some of that thinking and apply it to what we've been living through the last year and I'm thinking so what got you through those first especially the first few months of lockdown oh right you were tuning into live streams Mm -hmm. that artists were putting on from their home Mm -hmm. and they have their tip jars out and they were giving it to you for free did you contribute oh you didn't yeah why not Mm -hmm. why are you are you entitled to it for you know it's so it's a very multi-layered issue and i think there's there's a, a number of different things number one artist fees for performance huge issue massive can't can't scream about it loud enough mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to how presenters in with certain you know it, it happens all across the world certain festivals certain venues mm-hmm. where they will just not put their resources towards the artists and they have the resources that's yeah. what infuriates me you'll be dealing with these massive theaters and they will ask you to do something for two hundred and fifty dollars Mm-hmm. But then you look at their season and they have those 1% artists coming to perform. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. They're not getting $250 per man right. for their performance. What's mm-hmm. what do you what's going on here? So there's that. And in order to change that, you have to have artists, unfortunately, who are willing to sacrifice to change that. Yeah. So you have to have artists turning down gigs because they're not being compensated the way they should be in order for that to try to change. And that is a huge risk. Mm -hmm. And I've worked, I I work with artists who have been willing to take that gamble and it's very scary for them because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not that that's, and that's nerve wracking for me because it's not really a gamble for me. I'm, you know, it's a gamble for them. They Mm -hmm. might not ever get booked there again. So art, you know, artist fees, that's part of it. The other big part of it is, streaming (laughs) and buying music yeah and that is something I really struggle with like lose Mm -hmm. sleep over because and again it's multi-layered because you know you're not just dealing with okay well the streaming services aren't paying the artists enough it's not just that it's partially that the audiences don't care yeah and they feel like it's not their responsibility and it is. Sorry. Not, yeah. you know, it is. It is the audience responsibility to be part of the positive change. And so right now my position on that is trying to get people to say, okay, let's take this step by step. Instead of saying, 
stop streaming because that's not realistic. And in order to, to create a change, a lasting change, it has to be realistic. Pick the least evil out of all the evils to do your streaming. Mm -hmm. So do a little bit of research. Which platform is paying the highest of those yeah. piddly little percentages to the artists? And then use that platform. Mm -hmm. And then that will slowly knock the platform we all know is in number one mm -hmm. out of the game. And yeah. it's not going to happen overnight. It might not even ever really happen, mm -hmm. but it has to start somewhere. And then, you know, ultimately, I would love to see a platform created that catered more to artists. I think Bandcamp is doing exceptional things yeah. and really stepping up to the plate. Mm -hmm. And that is about people being willing to purchase music. Yeah. Right. So that's that's a big thing. But I think that down the line, I would love to have a hand in being able to create a platform that didn't take away the elements of streaming that people love. We love to pay our whatever, 15 bucks, 11 bucks a month mm -hmm. and have access to absolutely everything. I'm not saying we need to take that away. What happens on the back end of it needs to change. Yeah. I and so agree. I, as you can tell, I'm all over the map with this issue because there's yeah. so many, <laughs> there's yeah. just so many components and they're all, they're all wrong. All of them are wrong. There's no part of this that's happening correctly. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, and it takes, unfortunately, it takes voices from that 1% and mm -hmm. from, you know, top 40 artists. We need people to stand up and do things. Mm -hmm. And 100%. that isn't really happening yet. So no. it's, it, we got a long way to go. Yeah. I definitely think my biggest thing is the playing for exposure thing. Like I can't, mm -hmm. I don't want, exposure isn't going to pay my bills. Exposure yeah. isn't going to put food on my table. Like as much as exposure is great. And if a platform had, that has a hundred million thousand followers is like, go and perform there for free and you'll get exposure. Yeah. But we can't really guarantee how many people are going to click on that live. Like you could have a no. million followers and four people will watch. Like it, it because of the way that music is now music is so disposable to people and it's it's I think jazz is really one of the only genres that have tried to keep that as sacred as possible which yes. is why I love it so much because in jazz we always always look back to the greats and we have to then realize and accept and understand that this stuff is priceless this stuff is is music this stuff is creativity and emotion yeah but a lot of the stuff that we are kind of seeing on streaming services, you know, songs are being made for two minutes, 30 seconds now, because they know that, you know, that's sellable, that's skippable, that's, you know, playlistable. And it does really like, I think for the, a new generation of artists that are trying to make music, it really does pull on their heartstrings. Like, should I be doing things for exposure? Should I even think whether I can make a living out of being an artist? Like, is it even viable for me or should I just make music that will, you know, that will really gain all these streams, streams, streams? Really, what is a stream? What is a no? stream? Well, did you see the article that was circling uh, within the last month or so about it was telling artists mm. how to manipulate Spotify to their advantage? And the right. first portion of that was, well, if you just create these beats, then oh. that's what gets a lot of plays on Spotify. So I'm saying, okay, so you're asking artists to sacrifice their artistic integrity mm -hmm. so that they can conform to Spotify? Yeah. You've got to be out of your mind. Absolutely it, not. It is. I think it's absolutely like ludicrous to ask yes. anybody 
to make music to fit a social media platform and I've seen Never. it and especially with TikTok now it's a really good platform to push artists because it's so brand new that it's kind of like starting social media all over again however these 15 second 30 second videos you can't it's not music it's, it's barely yeah. a ringtone you know you can't really get all of your creativity out in that time frame but people will make music I'm going to keep posting TikToks every single day so labels can notice me instead of actually sitting down maybe writing a few cohesive songs or you know working on your instrument or your craft and really building up the story you're trying to tell for your music um I think it's it's so backwards the way that streaming has made music especially because people don't value it anymore well right. I think it's turning it's changing a little bit now because vinyls are really fashionable. So I think yes. people want to buy music, whether they want to buy. But the, I feel like the music that streaming platforms are f- kind of forcing new artists to make is not vinylable music, if that makes sense. Nobody, no, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Nobody wants to buy that on vinyl. I, I heard a, I was listening to a podcast at the beginning of the first lockdown here, which was like March last year. And she was saying, this lady was saying how she, all the music that she used to listen to on her playlist just doesn't like it. It doesn't hit anymore. She doesn't like it because she's not out in the club. She's not out in the bars. And now the music means nothing to her. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you hit the nail on the head because music yes. music should mean something to you. So all of this stuff that people are putting out is for this go, go, go lifestyle. And now that everything's been kind of locked off for a bit, People are realizing that live music is important and these live streams that are people are helping um, by putting on their profiles to get people through lockdown are important. So hopefully that will kind of resurge live music to a lot of venues and, and you know, people when we're allowed out again. Um, but I completely, Absolutely. I'm with you on your frustration. We can fight together. I'm 100% with yes. you. Yes, yes, please. Well, and it's, it's so hard. I've also, you know, I'm looking to venues through this as well because there's you know streaming is one monster but I also think about the venues that are not not necessarily smaller venues that we know we um, you know where you live where I live Mm -hmm. we've lost so many in this past year Mm -hmm. the bigger venues I'm going okay if our borders are closed this is your opportunity to book local artists yep when we you know because we will be more open and you can attend live performances, but you probably can't have people from the United States coming here yet. Mm-hmm. Not without huge expense that the venues most likely wouldn't pay. And if they will, that makes me even more yeah. frustrated yeah, because put that towards the artists. Mm-hmm. Put so, you know, this, this is an opportunity to utilize the talent that we have here and give them a platform and put money in their pockets and contribute to their careers and mm-hmm. do what venues and festivals and, and organizers should be doing. And seeing people in no way interested, you know, and then and seeing people, you know, artistic directors of festivals and venues here specifically, I'm, I'm thinking of people, you know, crying on social media about where, you know, where we've been unable to present our programming. And I'm thinking 90% of your programming is international. Why yeah. are you upset? Yeah. Why are you upset? Reallocate that budget. Think about mm-hmm. the people here who played at the local bar for less than $100 for a three hour night. Yep. You know, 100%. it's just we have to rethink or there's, or there will not be, you know, there will be less art. Mm-hmm. There just will be, there yeah. just will be. Cause at what point can I in good conscience tell someone, 
well, yes, keep sacrificing feeding your children and preparing for their futures and, you mm-hmm. know, your health for this. I, I, I can't in good conscience say that. No, no. Do you find that um, there is a lot of that kind of across across the board in Canada? Like, do they reach out to America rather than looking where they are to find artists or do they do they are they very American focused? Very American focused, Mm. very much so. There are, again, smaller venues, definitely. And certain people, I will also say, certain people who are, you know, promoters or or bookers very much do focus on Canadians Mm -hmm. and local people. But the bigger venues look past all of that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a venue here that will book the international act in their theater, I don't know, 1,100 seats maybe. Mm-hmm. And then they'll book the local act to play in the lobby after the show for $200. <gasps> what? Mm-hmm. And the local act will be Order of Canada decorated judo award winning, whatever it might what? be. Play but the it, lobby show. In Canada. And mm-hmm. they have, see, I find that absolutely crazy. How? Isn't that horrifying? Yeah. It is. It's awful. I it's don't awful. know. I can't see... The UK is a bit different, I find. I think people, they love us to play for exposure and all of this stuff, but the UK has quite a bustling kind of jazz, UK, jazzy, hip-hop, neo-soul scene. Mm -hmm. Maybe because of, I don't, actually, I really don't know why, but they have festivals specifically made for these UK jazz and soul artists. So we don't really see too many especially in the jazz scene and the kind of UK hip hop and stuff like that. We don't really see a lot from America come over only right. Right. In, in the, maybe the more mainstream genres, maybe like R and B and pop, they'll get like Drake Mm -hmm. to come play wireless. But I couldn't imagine them selling tickets for a show for somebody international for, I don't know, um, O2 Academy Brixton and then getting an, a UK artist with a fan base of their own to play in the lobby afterwards. Like, yes. ugh, I don't It's that. awful. It's, it's awful. There's a lot, horrible. there's a lot between, you know, if we're talking about university students, then <laughs> I, you know, in certain situations, I say there's definitely room for that. If, of course. you know, there, then that's, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's okay. So whoever's on stage and they have their gig and then there's a reception afterwards and you have a local, you know, students from University of Toronto or wherever mm-hmm. playing in the lobby for 30 minutes. Fine. That's different. You still have to pay them, but that's yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, to have established artists playing in the, in the lobby, it really, it infuriates me. It yeah. absolutely drives me up the wall I think it's such it's such a show of disrespect I was yeah. just about to say that it is the yeah. biggest show of disrespect how dare you I know like I it really frustrates me oh it, and it, it's really upsetting I I mean I have advised some people I work with not to do it and mm-hmm. friends here who have been offered those gigs have I some friends have said no some friends have said yes and yeah but it's because again artists just want to play yeah yeah. You know, it, that's, that's, and that's how people get them. Yeah. Like, you know, y'all just want to play and, mm-hmm. and hang and all of that. And who can blame you? Of course, that's what you just want to do. So you're tempted to do that because, okay, well, you know, it will be fun, mm-hmm. but to have to think about 
all of the background noise behind why you were asked to do this and not that Mm -hmm. is it's just, it's a shame because, you know, it should, it, you should just be able to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this gig and it's going to be fun, but you can't do something where I'm, where there's disrespect involved. That's, and that's blatant disrespect. Yeah. And I completely agree. That is absolutely crazy. All right. (laughs) (laughs) While I kind of take that in, I have another. Yeah. Um, Tell me about your radio shows. I was on your website and I listened to um, the Roy Hargrove episode because I love Roy Hargrove. So tell Uh, me about your radio radio show. What, how did the name come about? And um, how, how, how do you do it? How do you like it? Well, so my show is on a platform called jazzcast.ca. We are just a couple of months away from uh, being two years old wow. at Jazzcast. And it's a platform that was started by uh, seasoned broadcasters, especially in, in music and jazz music here in Toronto. And mm-hmm. they went on on their own and, and uh, came together to put this, this platform together. And they wanted to involve people in the community who were not necessarily, who didn't necessarily have broadcast backgrounds, clearly, because they Mm -hmm. asked me, (laughs) um, but to, to just have a diverse selection of programming available to their listeners. So Mm -hmm. aside from my show, there's an exceptional, I mean, bassist composer, just top tier. Rich Brown has Mm -hmm. a show called New Origins. Um, there's a, a program out of, uh, Quebec from a lovely woman named Coco, who is a, is a broadcaster, mm-hmm. Alex Pangman, a vocalist here. She has a show called swing set. That's a lot of fun and music from, uh, uh, you know, a specific point in time and, mm-hmm. and that targets the, you know, that swing sound that is just so yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it there's, so there's a wonderful diverse list of, of programming on the platform. So when they approached me and I was having conversations with them about what I might do, they were, we were, you know, well, what would your, what would your programming be based off? And I said, really, I think it's going to be music that just music that I love mm-hmm. and music that I grew up to. And I said something about, you know, we're all continuously or consistently growing, aren't we? So I think that music I'm growing up to can be what I'm listening to now, as well mm-hmm. as what I listened to 20 years ago. So yeah. there's, that was kind of my, my thought behind it. And then in thinking of a title, uh, this was actually the title that I was saving for the day that I eventually write a book, <laughs> but I decided to use it for the program instead. So the title is No, I Do Not Play Piano. And that's just because it is the question that I get I asked more than any other question in the world. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> when I look, when I saw the name, I was like, it took me a second. And then I was like, oh, I can imagine how many people... <laughs> do you play piano like do you I play can't... piano and then it's like I ran over their dog with my car when I when I say no I don't and it's oh oh really yeah and I'm going oh did I just break your heart really okay well sorry you don't want me to play piano trust me <laughs> I think that's actually really cool that you don't play piano I, I thank you some people might think oh my gosh I can't believe she doesn't play piano but it's cool that you kind of went on your own journey and your your family and your dad didn't really like make you play it because they you know because he played it no. like you could no, choose definitely your own not because of you're your own yeah. person obviously so that's why I, I really didn't want to be like so tell me about your dad because I'm like the amount of times you probably get it I want this interview to be 
like fun and more different for you um well I can't tell you how much I appreciate that very 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 much so it, it that means a lot to me and it's you know I'm I have no problem mm-hmm. talking about him in in most capacities but it's it's always a very pleasant surprise <laughs> when someone you know wants to to touch on other things so yeah. I appreciate that very much oh you're welcome good I'm so glad <laughs> I'm actually honestly glad. okay so All right. What I want to really ask you is what tips would you give a young woman, maybe of colour, maybe not of colour, who wants to get into artist representation um, and management and social media and everything that you do? What advice would you give them in their starting moments? The first thing I would say is to reach out to other people who are in a similar field. There are, you know, Anybody, whether, you know, me or countless other people, varying ages and all and and backgrounds who just want to help. And I think that it's you don't have to go through something like this alone. And, and you know, I'm the people who came before me worked so that it would hopefully be slightly easier for me in certain mm-hmm. ways. And mm-hmm. I want to do the same thing for people who are up and coming and want to be involved. And it also it's always, you have to have a network, right? And I think that's one of the things that is so wonderful about women in jazz media is it's this net global network that is being mm-hmm. created. Yeah. So my first, first thing I would say is to not be afraid to reach out to people, do some research, see who's in the field, whether in your area or internationally and mm-hmm. reach out and have, have some conversations. You know, it's not, I'm not a fan of the, oh, can I pick your brain over coffee? That's not, I'm not. <laughs> fan of that I, I i much prefer when someone is straightforward in an email and saying look i'm i'm this is what i want to do mm-hmm. and i would be really appreciative if we could maybe have a conversation i have some questions yeah you know i think that that is one of the best one of the best things that you can do and other than that i would say to pick what is going to be kind of the most important thing on your list as whether it's social media or as a representative in general pick what your quote-unquote issue is going to be Mm -hmm. and focus on that and then you can expand because if you try to take too much on then you won't be able to give give everything your all but if you pick one key focus and then expand from there you will be able to reach so many more people and you'll have much more opportunities even if it doesn't seem that way yeah uh, at the beginning awesome thank you so much yeah. i really thank you this conversation i've had a really good time i hope you have too me too um, me too it's so great to meet you yes it's so lovely to meet you hopefully we can have another chat um sometime too let's say let's stay in touch i'll follow you on all socials and everything keep checking in every month for a new episode of women in jazz media's in conversations with and we will see you soon The Women in Jazz Media podcast is brought to you exclusively by Jazz Tribes.